Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the J. Rolton Speaks podcast. If you're new to this live, what we do here is we read poems, I share some stories, offer some methods of analyzing them, and also I want you to share some stories, I want you to share some comments. I want you to let me know how we're doing on this show, I want you to let me know what sort of poems you would like for me to read in the future. So you don't have to be an expert in poetry, you don't have to actually like them, but I do ask that you kind of find a nice quiet place just so that you can sort of settle down and listen to these poems and maybe they'll inspire you, maybe they'll have, give you a different perspective on whatever it is that you're going through, or maybe it's just going to give you like a nice peaceful rest, right? Or at least teach you something. So just let these words sort of sink in, let them like kind of take a hold of you, right? In some in some metaphorical sense and we'll see what happens, right? So a lot of my followers, if you're new to this live, a lot of my followers are people that don't really like read poetry on a daily basis. Uh, yes, there are some, but many of them are, don't really do it on a daily basis. So I want to invite you to stay. I want you to write, invite you to like stick around, listen to a couple poems, and then, you know, go about your day if you like. But stick around. This is sort of like an hour and a half or so type of show. And just FYI, if you don't know this already, I actually have a Spotify account where you can actually go and check out some other episodes that I've done, also some other poems and short stories that I've shared, and I want to encourage you to go check out that Spotify and follow me there, rate the show, and if you are able to, I would love it if you could support me on Spotify because I have quite a number of followers and I just want to say thank you to all of them that have supported me since the beginning and I can't wait to produce more content but those of you who are maybe thinking about jumping on board please do because you can't I can't tell you how much my my monthly supporters have helped me with this production all these lights here are some of them has been paid for by my followers and so I just want to give a quick shout out to all of them and also invite you to also help me out as well so once again go to Spotify Download the app if you don't have it and search for J. Rolden Speaks. You'll see a picture of my face and then right underneath my profile picture, you'll see a link where you can actually help out with the show. All right, y'all. I got a great list of poems tonight that I haven't read, that I, some of them I've read before and some some of them I haven't read before. So I want to say, get ready for some stimulating conversations here, some ideas that will might give you a different perspective. So I just want to say, get ready. And one last thing, one last thing. Those of you who are new to this show, get some AirPods, some headphones, whatever it is that you listen to music with. And I guarantee you the experience for this podcast is going to be so much better. All right. So maybe it can help you relax. Maybe it can help you like just think about something that you've been contemplating about. Maybe you've needed some different perspective. So I just want to clarify and declare to everybody that's listening to this show it's not me that's giving these messages. It's the poems. Okay. These are from really amazing writers, guys, and women that have spent hours and hours of their life that they wanted to relay a message to us. And so all I'm doing is reading it. And it's not me that's like giving these messages. I'm, my only intention here is just to read it, y'all, because as you know, poetry has helped me in many ways. And so I want to share that with you as well, right? I'm hoping that it'll speak to some of you guys as well. So here we go, guys. All right. The first one tonight is one of the poems that absolutely just kind of like brought me to tears. And it brought me so much inner turmoil. And I, and I just want to say 
The message is a slightly, slightly dark, but I guarantee you, once you understand the actual full message, right? On the service level, you're going to see a message that might sound a little dark, and, it, and in many ways it is, but when you look at it from a broader perspective, the, the whole point of the poem is to basically raise awareness for a particular issue that is actually happening with men. And yes, you heard me right, with men. Now, this is something that I have been sort of advocating for on and off for this past year. And so I wanted to, now since we're getting close to 2023, I want to continue to advocate for that because unfortunately there's been a lot of, shall we say, problems that men have tried to face on their own. And we don't really get a lot of help because as men, right? And I'm talking exclusively here in the United States. Now, this can be absolutely applied in Latin America. This can be absolutely applied in the Middle East. This, this can absolutely be applied in Southeast Asia, Africa, Europe. But here in the United States, it seems to be a problem. And the problem is, is that, well, men are typically seen as this sort of like do-it-yourself type of attitude and mentality. And so with that idea, with that sort of motto comes the emotional problems and when men experience and go through emotional problems and yes ladies you heard me right men actually go through emotional issues what happens what happens when a man faces those emotional issues what happens when a man actually goes through that turmoil well bottom line okay look some of us are encouraged to go like seek help right like 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 as if that's gonna like actually you know incentivize them to go right it does help by the way but what's the problem here is that like some of us like are expected to sort of get over it right bottom line and by the way that sort of result or that sort of advice is given by other men right like like you just were expected to sort of get over it and like just move on right but that's not always the best thing to do because you don't really process it see the problem here is that like even in divorce cases a lot of men are sort of like encouraged to kind of get over it and then you know take some time for yourself but then you know get back on the horse and go and enjoy life again right as if that's sort of like a blueprint that's not even a blueprint that's just sort of like a nudge and sort of like be on your way because I got to do stuff on my own, right? I got to I got to worry about my own stuff, right? That's that's the problem. Is that we don't actually spend enough time helping other men. And I'm so, and I'm talking about men in particular, like men helping other men, right? Now that's not always the case, okay? I just want to declare it that's not always the case. Some of us come from really good families, really good brothers, right? I want I want to give a quick shout out to my own brother who has been a great great big brother. I love you, bro. And, you know, he's helped me in many, many parts of my life. And some, in some ways, he still kind of does, right? Because he's still my big brother. So he's always kind of like, you know, just checking in just once in a while, just see how I'm doing and things like that. So, you know, not every family is like that. But I learned to give this advice based on my own brother because I see how he is with me. And I know that if more men had great friends like my brother i know that we wouldn't have this issue and the issue once again being that we're just expected to kind of suck it up and get back 
to our daily life and whatever work that we do get back to work right and just kind of like forget about it and then you know eventually you're just gonna like figure it out right and by all means i think this is sort of like a good way of like practicing you know self-autonomy self-improvement and you know just kind of like kind of a self-reliance type of vibe and mentality and these are all great qualities right like we we try to instill this in our own children in many ways especially male children right and so I'm not saying that that's it's that's necessarily a negative thing, but sometimes we need more help than that, right? We need someone to just kind of listen, someone to just kind of help bounce off ideas, someone to kind of help us like just let us like unwind and just kind of help us like understand like what really was the problem in you know whatever challenge that we're facing, whatever was what what was the obstacle, right? Because that's important, right? This is what counseling does. Whenever you go to a counselor, like this is what they're going to do is going to ask you questions for self-reflexivity, right? Questions that you probably are asking already, but you don't really stick around enough to answer them for yourself. And so you kind of need to have someone else to kind of like push you to really unravel, right? I like this word unfurl. If you never heard this word before, unfurl, right? It's like something that is super revealing right and it's a slow progress of something that is like basically revealing to you kind of like a, a pet like a rose or a petal that's like slowly like unfurling right like like petals do this quite a bit anyway <laughs> all that to say guys is that this next poem i'm gonna read is for all the men that have gone through some really tough times and are still going through some tough times and this is for you. All right. This is titled Richard Corey. Whenever Richard Corey went downtown, we people on the pavement looked at him. He was a gentleman from soul to crown, and he was clean favored and imperially slim. And he was always quietly arrayed. And he was always human when he talked. But still he fluttered pulses when he said, Good morning. And he glittered when he walked. And he was rich. And yes, Richer than a king, and admirably schooled in every grace. In fine, 
We thought that he was everything. To make us wish that we were in his place. So on we worked and waited for the light and went without the meat and cursed the bread. And Richard Corey, one calm summer night, went home. his head. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. So this is Richard Corey by Edwin Arlington Robinson. And yes, it's a sad story, as I had forewarned all of you. And you know, once again, here is this gentleman, okay? And as you heard in the poem, you know, this guy had everything you can imagine, right? He was supposedly complete. I mean, he didn't have to worry about money. He didn't lived in a, you know, a, a nice place. It didn't describe the place, right? But I would imagine, you know, him being wealthy, you know, he lived in a pretty decent place, right? even says in the poem like people who knew him people who watched him in the town that he that he lived close to right they all wanted to be him right they wish they could be him they wish could they could trade places right that's how much this guy was desirable right by the people in the town that he lived close by right and so he had right so in terms of economics he had everything he didn't have to worry about that and then he also had really good manners. He was so kind, so polite, right? In the poem, it says, good morning, right? And then he glittered when he walked, right? Like, like there was this pizzazz about him. There was this enthusiasm about him, especially when he said good morning. People enjoyed it when someone like him said good morning to them, right? Who's this, this Richard Corey fellow, the richest guy in town and the most pleasant guy that we know? is saying good morning to me, right? I'm sure mo most of you guys have experienced that before, right? Like somebody that you respect in your life, somebody that you really, really cherish in your life. And then when you get like a little hello text or like just an acknowledgement from them, it's like, ooh, I get a little flutter in here, right? It's like, nice. Oh man, my favorite person in the world just told me good morning. Isn't that so nice, right? It, isn't that like such a pleasant experience? And that's what Richard Corey was to other people, right? He basically gave that same enthusiasm, that same energy, that same motivation to other people. And then we sort of like, oh, and by the way, that's not it, right? So in the poem, we also get to a description of like how he dressed, right? He was well-mannered. He was just like, just had really, really decent clothes, right? Like he wasn't over extravagant, but he also like didn't dress like trash, right? Like he, like he, dressed in a very very like humble manner right in a very like wow this guy is you know he likes to dress really well right right and once again it's not extravagant it's like a decent 
you know, the, the decency of being a human being. And yes, there is a decency when you wear clothes, by the way, okay? I know we sort of like get this message mixed up, especially, you know, in today's social media era, right? Like we get this sort of like, I don't know, all kinds of weird messages that are just contrary to, you know, what it means to be like a, a, a decent human being. <laughs> Oh man, I'm not even gonna get. I'm not even gonna go down that rabbit hole because I could share some stories about like how academics are really, really falling off the bandwagon here. Anyway, <laughs> Richard Corey was not like that. He dressed in a decent way, and he had a kind heart, and you know he had everything. He he never asked like help from anybody, right? Like he could be independent, self-autonomous, and. You know, just kind of like he didn't want other people to worry about him in that sense, right? Like, even though the poem doesn't really describe it, I have a pretty good feeling that he was also like so kind that he would love to help people, right? Love to help people. But then we read at the end of this poem that, well, goes home and ends his life, right? Something quite shocking. How could a person like this do such an act? How is this possible? And I'm sure you've been told by your parents or friends or some relative or maybe you learned this in, you know, some kind of story or novel, maybe even a poem, right? That, well, just because you have everything, just because you're nice, just because you dress well, and just because you probably love helping people and are just kind-hearted in general, there's still something in your heart and your soul that doesn't feel satisfied. And so, you know, many times men are kind of taught to be like this, right? We're kind of taught to just continue and serve and protect and provide and, you know, like help and just like be a good man, right? Be a good citizen, be, be a self-respecting citizen, right? But what happens when they go through turmoil? What happens when we go through heartaches? What happens when we go through loneliness? What happens when we are just overwhelmed with so much dissolution and disparity and confusion and Not truly being loved, loved. You know, I suspect that Richard Corey could have easily found someone in his life to be with. But obviously, he didn't. He was alone. Right? For whatever reason. Right? Maybe all the potential companions that he dated, maybe they just didn't love him for who he was. Maybe they loved him for his things, 
for the things that he could provide, right? But they didn't really love him. And even though that's not necessarily in the poem, that's a pretty good hypothesis to offer in this analysis. And so, this is why I think it's important to not stereotype men as being, you know, whatever experiences you've had with men so far. And yes, I recognize and I acknowledge that you probably went through some really horrible men, okay, really horrible people. But is that enough for you to say that all men are like that? Be very careful with that. Be very careful with that. You see, we're falling into that same trap of assuming things that never allows for you or for the other person to develop, right? To actually become something better than you thought. And by the way, I'm including myself in this. Alright, those of you who are new to this life, you know this journey. I mean, those of you who are not new to this life, you know this journey. You know the journey that I've shared. Those of you who knew this life, okay? I used to be very critical. I used to be so critical of people. So critical. Especially when I came to the States at a young age. I was so critical about Americans. <laughs> so critical. And I realized through the years, like, how much that was, like, transforming my heart into this kind of, like, sour guy. This sour person. Just very bitter. Right? My sarcasm was, like, you know, pretty insulting, actually. <laughs> and, like, it just really made makes people turn and shrivel into these, like, cocoons of self-loathing and so I want to encourage you guys not to be like that yes it is horrible of the things that you went through but you don't have to live like that you don't have to be like that you don't have to dwell in that pain and sorrow you can let it go you can let it go with something that is better than ourselves, something that is perfect, more perfect than ourselves, something that is truly loving us in the most essential way, which is in our spirit, in our soul. Right? The great thing about the world that we live in is that we get to see the many phases of mankind, right? Like the, the, the different levels of man. Right? Of human beings, I mean. Right? The first level is the physical. Right? Which is where the medical world comes in, right? And it's important. It's important to have that in the world. We need medicine in this world. We need it. Okay? And so it's really important to have people that help us maintain our bodies. Because it's important. It's important to maintain our bodies, right? In a healthy state. Right? Be careful with what we eat and make sure that we exercise right and you know do things that are going to like basically stimulate our and and basically like exercise our muscles and even our minds too by the way so that's the first level right that's one of the levels 
right? The second level is the more of the emotional side, right? So this is where the mental comes in, this is where the heart comes in. And so, you know, what is it that you're feeding your heart with? What is it that you're feeding your mind with, right? Because there's some good content out there and there's some really bad ones, right? And so, and, and by the way, I'm also including like the way we interact with people too, because the way when we talk to other people, right? Whenever we spend some time with people, whether they're related to you or not, maybe they're potential companions or whatever. But all the words that we share with one another, like, it really makes a difference. See, some of us are so stuck with what people told us about us that we kind of like cannot move past it. And we have such a hard time of letting it go. And it's so destructive that some of us just can't handle it anymore. Right? Which is what Richard Corey couldn't handle it anymore. I mean, this guy was in his most peak estate of being, right? No physical problems. All the wealth in the world. And he was even kind to other people. So kind. But who was nurturing him? Who was metaphorically feeding him who was stimulating him here and here right heart and mind who was providing company with him who was providing true companionship with him someone who didn't care about his money someone who didn't care about his physique someone who didn't care about level one they just wanted to spend some time with them because they saw something kind about them. And that brings us to level three, which is the soul. Now you might think that, hey, wait a minute, the mind and the heart, aren't those kind of the spiritual part? No, that's a whole different area, guys. That's a whole different area. Because the mental and the, and the emotional part are still in many ways like surface level okay yes the way I've explained surface level is the physical part right but then like second level is more like the representation the, the symbolical but see that goes beyond like any ideology right any moral code which, which is why the spirit is an important level of being a human being that we don't really like we, can, we take it for granted we take it for granted. And there's so many people out there that are like self-proclaimed gurus that will tell you, hey, look, you can do this and you can do that and, you know, be a yes man and, you know, all these like sort of self-motivated mo mottos that if it's helping you, well, good for you. Hopefully it'll last for you for the rest of your life. But you'll find out real quick that it's still not enough. So... How have you understood your soul? How, how have you spent time with the spirit? What is it that you are like nourish, nourishing that with? What's the ideology you're following? What's the moral code that you are abiding by? See, whether you like it or not, even if you don't believe in a higher power or a being, okay? Even if you don't believe in God, you still believe in something. 
See, even like Gnostic people actually like believe in something, right? Like, not refusing not to believe in something is still a belief, whether you like that or not. Okay, it's 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 actually a a pretty convincing ideology, a pretty convincing argument, right? You may not believe in a particular like ideology, but refusing to believe in an ideology is an ideology. <laughs> We can't escape it. And so what happens is we let our spirit sort of get like mangled and turned over and just like stretched in so many ways and so many like ideologies that eventually it gets stressed out and it's like, what am I doing? What am I following? What am I believing in? What am I actually abiding by? See, morality is important. It's important. And it's a critical component of what it means to be a human being. And if you don't follow the right ideology, the right code, then your spirit will always... And what is it that it's looking for? It's looking for peace. Peace is the ultimate goal of the human spirit. It's looking for peace. Now, don't get me wrong. Like There are definitely some ideologies out there, some practices out there that are going to teach you that you can find some type of inner peace. But I want to sort of like forewarn you about that sort of practice because you need to be very careful with like Assuming that we have this sort of inner peace in us. And, you know, there's going to be many people that are going to be arguing against this, which is fine. No problem. You know, it's to totally cool with you. To call it totally cool with me. Like, you can, like, argue all you like. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but ultimately, like, you can't find peace in something that's broken. And whether you want to admit it or not, yes, we are broken. Some of us don't realize it till years later in our life. Some of us realize it in early years of our life. But sooner or later, we're all going to get to that same point is desperation, brokenness. The now what question. And see, the sooner you realize how broken we are, the sooner you can actually search for that truth and that perfection and that love that is everlasting and that will go beyond any measure or any knowledge that you can ever comprehend in your lifetime. So, what are you filling your spirit with? See, Richard Corey in this poem that I read, even though the poem didn't directly speak of his soul, there was something missing in him. Something that he knew he was void of, but probably didn't really spend enough time thinking about 
and acknowledging how broken we are and therefore like seeing out true peace and true perfection and and a love that is abundant and see this is why in a few lives ago in a few other episodes if you haven't if you missed those episodes by the way you can go to my Spotify account and and listen to those episodes but the last few episodes last week I talked about like why and especially men okay like if there's any men in this life or at least men that are listening to the podcast right now and if you ladies you know any men that need to listen to need to hear this please share this with them because men this is why it's important for us not to get our to get our worth in a companion don't put your worth in another companion because what you're doing is you are putting your worth in another broken person and that is ultimately you're going to go through some rough patches and it's going to absolutely shatter you even more right you're already broken in pieces but now it's going to be into even more pieces now many of you are probably confused wait a minute but human beings are meant to be alone and you're right we're not meant to be alone but that's not the same as like filing, finding your worth and your value in another human being. You can love somebody and not find your worth in them. Absolutely. That's not how love works, by the way. Love continues to emit and give without expecting anything in return. And it's only the few of us that actually like listen to it and actually like are awestruck by it and are changed and transformed by it that we are now filled with that graceful love that now we want to and naturally emit that graceful love onto someone else or in return to whoever gave us that graceful love in the first place And then there's some of us that kind of like cross our arms and just kind of like refuse to change, refuse to allow that sort of merciful love to take hold of us and teach us how to be merciful, how to be moved by grace, how to be changed by grace. And see, that's the broken, prideful aspect of human beings. Right? And in many ways, like, I, 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 I almost don't want to blame human beings for being like this. Because, well, it almost seems, well, in many ways it's too natural. It's too natural for human beings to be prideful. 
This is a little bit of a stretch here, but you can actually read this from a couple of philosophers that actually talk about this. And if you're interested, you can look up Heraclitus, you can look up Quintilius, you can also look up St. Thomas Aquinas also, and St. Augustine, actually. St. Augustine is another one that you can look up, the, look up this. So, human beings are so prideful, right? So there's this correlation between like physical pain and the emotional pain. And so what I mean by what they mean by that is like whenever you are hurt, right? Physically hurt, right? Like like let's say you put your hand over a burner or like a fire pit. Then what happens is your, you know, your skin reacts to it, right? Like like the sensations are are and then especially the nerve endings, right? Like start they start sort of like getting numb, right? And so like a lot of the blood flow starts also stop circulating and and it's an it's it's an overwhelming sensation that this is when you have this reaction that you have to like move away right and so your hands become very very sort of like um, stiff and all kinds of colors start changing and so what happens is it's like wherever the pain is caused right wherever that pain wherever the center of that pain is all that concentration all of that concentration in your body goes to that one particular point, right? All that concentration goes to that one particular point. And so in many ways, like, if you think about it, right, this is sort of how pride works. And by the way, I'm not trying to say that y'all need to, like, overcome that, okay? <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. Like, please do not put your hand over a fire and purposely, like, try to test this out because it's not, it, don't do it. It's a no, okay? Like, Please do not do this. This is simply for explicative purposes, right? Explication purposes. And so the whole point, guys, is that all that pain, that the center of the pain gets concentrated onto that one area. And so this is how pride works in a very similar manner. Because, yeah, pride occurs most when you are in pain. Whether it's emotional pain, whether it's physical pain, but mostly spiritual pain. Right? This is where pride sort of like does its bidding. And so we kind of find comfort in it because it's the one area where we load for ourselves and therefore we overcome it ourselves. And therefore, we rely it in the future because the next time we go through that sort of spiritual, emotional pain, well, yeah, we're going to rely on our own ego, on our own pride to take care of it, to take care of us. But see, when you concentrate on yourself, when you allow for your own pride to take care of you, you're limiting your own growth. How can you grow, like, in your own limited, like, area, right? It's like, it's like taking Play-Doh, okay? It's like taking Play-Doh. Remember how they come in those containers, right? It's like taking a, a, a container of Play-Doh, right? And you can mold the Play-Doh any way you want. You can smash it. You can extend it. You can even make, like, faces in it or, like, whatever you want. Maybe take some pieces out or whatever. But it's always going to be in that container, and no matter how many times you squeeze it or unsqueeze it or mash it, add things to it, it's always going to be in that same container. So you can you can learn 
patience. You can learn, like, you know, how to hold your tongue, and you can, you know, sort of like learn to be slow to anger. But if you really want to learn peace, you can't be in that container. You can't be in that area. You need to grow spiritually. That's something far greater than yourselves. Something that is not broken. Something that is always overflowing with abounding love. Which is something that we can never fully grasp and experience from another human being. We can experience kindness from another human being. We can experience politeness from another human being. We can experience thoughtfulness from another human being. But you can never fully experience what those facets do. All of those things that I just listed have one goal in mind, the same goal in mind, which is peace. You can never fully experience peace if you're still in that container. Because the other human being that you're learning it from is also in that container. And they may be nice to you, they may be kind to you, they may like give you so much enthusiasm and motivation during the day, but really, they're just as broken as you are. Maybe they're not as emotionally broken as you are. Maybe they might not be physically broken as you are. Maybe they might not be spiritually broken as you are, but they're still broken. And so be very careful with placing your worth in another human being. Because you will be disappointed and you will be hurt again. And then you're going to allow your own ego and your pride to take over you again. So that's why you need to seek out something far better than us, something far better than ourselves, something far better than a human being. I started this talk with reading a poem by Richard Corey. If you missed it, y'all, I want to encourage you to read Richard Corey, okay? It is written by Edwin Arlington Robinson. And Richard Corey, once again, just to give a quick little summary, it's about a decent human being. And I mean truly decent human being. A human being that didn't ask for help for anybody else because he was economically grounded, right? Like, like he had... He was very, he was wealthy, but he never flaunted it. He was he was humble. He was kind-hearted. He greeted people with a good morning and just was filled, at least superficially, at, with lots of enthusiasm. People loved him. People wanted to be him. And supposedly, he also helped out a lot of people. But at the end of the Richard Corey poem, we find out well. Things weren't as we thought they were because one summer evening, as the poem says, one calm summer night, Richard Corey went home and put a bullet through his head.
So my final message for this poem for all of you tonight is truly seek out your friends, your family, people you work with perhaps, and really try to spend some time with them. If everything seems to be a-okay in your life right now, maybe you can spend some time with someone that you think is probably going through a hard time right now. You don't have to have a prepared script, just sit down with them one time, ask them out for lunch, and just share a meal with each other, you know? Talk about whatever. And and here's the most important part, y'all. This is the most important part about doing this. Try to listen. Just listen. Don't always have something to say in response to whatever somebody's sharing with you. You might think this is like how conversations are done, but not really because the best conversations are the ones that when people listen, (laughs) truly listen to what you are saying or what they're saying. Just spend some time with them and let them talk to you, let them unfold, let them unfurl, let them develop and open to you. There is another philosopher out there. His name is Jean-Luc Nancy, who wrote a very, very thin manuscript that was later turned into a little book called On Listening. It is a fantastic, fantastic essay written by Jean-Luc Nancy. And you'll find some really interesting philosophical perspectives of the practice of listening. And the final message, final, final message to this poem is stop, please, with the kindness of my heart right now. Stop stereotyping, man. Don't always assume that they have an agenda. Don't always assume that we're all bad. That we have just self-centered ways only. Some of us are still learning. Some of us are still being changed. Some of us are still trying to get rid of our egos and let not allow our prides to take over. There's some good men out there. We need to take care of those guys. We need to nurture those guys. Those men in particular, by the way, the good ones, need even more help. I know that sounds a little strange because you would think that somebody that is distraught needs the most help. 
And by all means, they do need help. But really, the ones that really need a lot of help are the ones that seem like everything's just fine with them. They are, they are being attacked, right? Spiritually attacked on a daily basis, right? Morally attacked on a daily basis. And most of us sort of just kind of shrug our shoulders and say, eh, they'll get over it. You see what I mean? Like, that, right, in itself, that response in itself is so dangerous and we don't really, really care. There are thousands upon thousands of richer quarries out there. And they are so difficult to detect because we don't really have a lot of time. We don't want to spend the time. We don't really train and are perceptible to those things. And so I want to give a quick shout out to all the Gumen out there. Y'all are kings. Don't let your pride take the best out of you because I know you. Find someone that will listen. That will truly, truly listen. And they'll be your friend for the rest of your life. brings us to another great poem by the amazing, the fantastic Robert Frost. That's right, y'all. Robert Frost. You guys ready? This one's titled Stopping by the Woods on a Snowy Evening. Alright, I'm going to take a drink and I'm going to get prepared here. You guys know the drill. Whenever I drink, you guys tap that screen, keep that, keep Tapping that screen, we get those likes up, and keep tapping until I stop drinking. And then I'm gonna give a do do a little five second countdown. I'm gonna look for a track real quick, and then we'll read "Stopping by the Woods on a Snowy Evening." All right. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sixty. Thank you to everyone that has given me gifts. Thank you so much. This is not why I do it, but I definitely appreciate it, y'all. And if you came late to this live, please remember I have a Spotify account. Go there after the show and download the app. If you don't have Spotify, search for J. Rolden Speaks. You'll see a picture of me on my face. And then right underneath, there's a couple of links where you can actually help out if that is your calling. So thank you so much. All right, here we're going to go. We're going to take a drink now. second
whose woods these are, I think I know. His house in the village, though. I gotta do that again. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> Here we go. Whose hot woods? These are. His house is in the village, though, and he will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. And my little horse must think it queer to stop without a farmhouse near between the woods. And the frozen lake, the darkest evening of the year, and he gives his harness bells a shake to ask if there is some mistake, and the only other sounds the sweep of easy wind and downy flake. Are lovely, dark, and deep. But I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep. up with this theme of Richard Corey's out there, right? Now, this isn't the same story, but here's something that I would like to bring about, especially when it comes to great men out there. You know, sometimes men, like, are so methodical in their daily routines and the things that they're responsible for. Men are so, the good ones, okay, are so responsible that sometimes we, crumb they, we come across a tiny little window, okay, and this is a metaphorical window, okay, a metaphorical window, a tiny little window that makes us like stop whatever it is that we're doing and we have this like 
self-reflection that we have so many thoughts and images that go across this window and we're like trying to process it all at the same time and even though it may seem chaotic and overwhelming there's the same sensation and that sensation is that man I wish I didn't have to do so much of this I wish I didn't have this daily responsibility as frequent so that I can enjoy this one little tiny window that like helps me just remind me of how special I am and how wonderful I am and someone to like just like reach out and let me know hey here to help you, I'm here to love you, I'm here to tell you that you don't have to do this by yourself, you don't have to do this alone. Even though this Robert Frost poem that I just read isn't technically speaking on that, the very last verse in here says, the woods are lovely, dark, and deep, but I have promises to keep. You see, that's what I mean, it's like, Sometimes men are just so caught up with the responsibilities that they really, really don't spend enough time thinking about and enjoying. Even as something as simple as enjoying nature, right? Like going off for a hike or like camping or fishing or just like doing something that is majestic, right? Something that like is really just gets their heart pumping and, and, and reminding them of all that hard work that you're doing. It's for a reason. Yes, you are. If you have a family, then you are providing for your family. And that's a great thing. But I have promises to keep. And miles to go before I sleep. You see, this is one of the traits of great men, ladies. Which is why, whenever the right one comes into our life, and she absolutely just like respects us, loves us for the type of guy that we are, not for the things that we have, or perhaps even provide, which is, don't get me wrong, it's a good thing to to do as a man right to provide but see men the good ones continuously remind themselves like oh man you know I could be enjoying this wilderness right now this forest this beautiful landscape I could go to the beach I could go to the mountains I could do you know X Y and Z but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep Right? Right? Which is a metaphor for like, I have so much time left before I die, before I pass away. I want you to listen to this poem one last time, okay? Those of you who came late to this live, listen to this poem one last time, seriously, okay? Remember the things I just told you, by the way, okay? Here we go. Once again, this is the poem by Robert Frost called Stopping by the Woods. 
on a snowy evening. And this is a big shout out to all the good men out there, all the responsible men out there, all the kind-hearted men that have given so much of their time and effort and their life to serving their families and just being a great friend, great person, a great man. This is for all y'all. Whose woods these are, I think I know. His house is in the village, though, and he will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. My little horse must think it queer To stop without a farmhouse near Between the woods And frozen lake The darkest evening of the year And he gives his harness bells a shake To ask if there is some mistake. And the only other sounds the sweep of easy wind. And downy flake. The winds are lovely, dark and deep. to keep and miles to go before I sleep and miles to go before I sleep this what it means to be a good man. You may be temporarily lured by some of the beauty in this world. You may be temporarily lured by some of the sensationalism in this world, whether it's offline or online. But in the end, you still want to maintain your promises. The promises you kept in your marriage vows, the promises you kept for your children, the promises you kept with your friends, with your family, relatives, co-workers, wherever it is that you work for, or what, whatever it is that you do. When it comes down to it, you press on. Keep pressing on, even if it means that you have to sort of temporarily forget about all those sensationalisms, all those aesthetics, all those things that may potentially like veer you away or steer you away from 
your objective, those promises that you have to keep. Because you realize you still have a long way to go before you sleep, before you die, and miles to go before I sleep. And there you go. Hopefully you enjoyed that. That's by Robert Frost. Once again, that is titled Stopping by the Woods on a Snowy Evening. Are you ready for a more enthusiastic poem now? Yes. Here is one by Christopher Marlowe, and this is titled The Passionate Shepherd to His Love. Shall we read this together? All right. Let us go and enjoy this. Come and live with me and be my love. And we will all the pleasures prove that valleys, groves, Hills and fields, woods or steepy mountain yields. And we will sit upon the rocks, seeing the shepherds feed their flocks by shallow rivers to whose falls melodious birds sing madrigals. And I will make thee beds of roses and a thousand fragrance poises, posies, a cap of flowers, and a kirtle embroidered all with leaves of myrtle, a gown made of the finest wool which from our pretty lambs we pull, and fair lined slippers for the cold with buckles of the purest gold. belt of straw and ivy buds with coral clasps and amber studs and if these pleasures may thee move come live with me and be my love and shepherd swains shall dance and sing for the de- thy delight each May morning, and if these delights thy mind may move, then live with me, and be my love. What a pleasure, what a delight, it's a beautiful, fantastic poem. Goodness, my lord, <laughs> so lovely. Uh, it's been a while since I read that one. That needs no explanation, y'all. Come on, you know what that means. Come on now. Thank you again for the gifts, y'all. Thank you so much for the gifts. Much appreciated. Go to my Spotify account. It's so much better. Support me there.
All right, y'all, we're almost down to the end of our show tonight. I got a couple more poems that I would like to read. And miles to go before I sleep. <laughs> you, like how I, you like how I put those together, right? Yeah, okay, that's right. Miles to go before I sleep. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce you a poem that I have not read on a live or on my podcast Till now. This one's titled The Village Blacksmith by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Prepare to be moved and stimulated. Here we go. Under a spreading chestnut tree, the village smithy stands. The smith, a mighty man is he, with large and sinewy hands, and the muscles of his brawny arms are strong as iron. His hair's crisp and black and long, and his face is like the tan. His brow is wet with honest sweat, and he earns whatever he can, and looks the whole world in the face, for he owes not any man. Weak in and weak out from morn till night. You can hear his bellows blow, and you can hear him swing his heavy sledge, with measured beat and slow like a sexton ringing with village bell. When the evening sun is low, and children coming home from school look in at the open door, and they love to see the flaming forge and hear the bellows roar, and catch the burning sparks that fly like chaff from a threshing floor. And he goes on Sunday to, to the church and sits among his boys, and he hears the parson pray and preach, and he hears his daughter's voice singing in the village choir, and it makes his heart rejoice, and it sounds to him like her mother's voice singing in paradise. He needs musk, and he needs must think of her once more, how in the grave she lies, and with his hard rough hand he wipes a tear out of his eyes, toiling, rejoicing, sorrowing, 
Onward through life he goes, each morning sees some task begin, each evening sees it close, something attempted, something done, has earned a night's repose. Thanks, thanks to thee, my worthy friend, for the lesson thou hast taught. Thus, the flaming forge of life, our fortunes must be wrought, the sonnet sounding anvil shaped, each burning deed and thought. absolutely love this poem and if you didn't listen to it carefully here's this description of this brawny man who is just seems like he's like somebody you don't want to mess with right like he's just like like a rough dude right like just a rough guy right i mean he's a blacksmith if you guys have ever seen blacksmiths before if you ever seen like their profession like there's still blacksmiths out there by the way it's not a lucrative job but there's still blacksmiths out there by the way and if you ever seen their work it is so 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 hard so difficult i mean it, it's very meticulous right and the process to, to actually create things and shape things takes so long and the quantity is so little so low right But here's this description of this blacksmith, right? And it's just kind of like brawny fellow, this guy that's just so rough, right? And just like the poem says, he earns whatever he can and looks the whole world in the face and for he owes not any man, right? So like he's very, very like, you know, independent in the sense of like he doesn't know, owe anybody, right? Because he works hard for his his earnings, right? And And in many ways, he's actually very humble. And then... It's not until we get to the middle of the poem where we finally get this description of him attending church and then he actually sees his children like being in, especially his daughter being in the choir, right? And how his daughter reminds him of the woman that, you know, that he loved and, and you know, just her voice. And, and here you see this brawny, big, rough dude, supposedly, and all of a sudden we see this little tear coming down his face, right? And so this is what henry wadsworth was trying to like say thank you about because hey now you are showing sort of like this human side of you right like this the side of you that is this tender side of you right and so you know that's what he's saying like thanks thanks to thee my worthy friend for the lesson thou hast taught thus at the flaming forge of life right which is a literal and metaphorical explanation of his job and his own life right his own like epitome of life right our fortunes must be wrought so now he's ref now henry wadsworth is reflecting on 
how he viewed his own life and the little things that he was like so challenged with and 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 in many ways he he realizes he was wasting so much time on little things because when he saw this gentleman this blacksmith that you know had a very humble job and in many ways was just kind of thick-skinned but now we see him being tender and being being overwhelmed with the joy and peace of seeing his children serving and learning something that is spiritually uplifting and that's the paradise that he was experiencing I can't tell you how much children truly refine us as parents as human beings some parents don't get me wrong some parents are still learning like what it means to be refined and as a parent it's important to be leaders for your children. Don't ever do it the other way around guys. Don't ever 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 do that. Yes, you can love your children with so much love and just like unlimited quantities. But be very careful. Be very careful when you say that your children are your world. I know you mean well when you say that, but I don't think you realize what you're saying. And the problem here is that some parents place that responsibility of leadership on their kids. That whatever it is that they create, whatever it is that they want to do, like that's what you sort of like adapt yourself to them. That's not what you need to do. That's not what you need to do with that at all. Like, that's the wrong way of being of parenting. <laughs> you want to love your kids? Lead them. You want to teach your kids? Show them. You want to instruct your kids with life lessons that will be fruitful and that they will carry with them for the rest of their life guide them to a belief that is unshakable that is beyond any knowledge that they can acquire in a textbook give them an abound, abounding love that will be unbreakable. They will learn to create their own worlds when they get older. But until then, 
they need to follow you. Which is why as a parent we need to refine ourselves to be something better than ourselves. I want to read a poem that I read a few nights ago. And the original version is called To My Unborn Son. But I want to change this to... Sorry, I'm going to change this to To My Unborn Daughter. I have this dream that one day I can get a... a, I can... I have this dream that one day I'll have a daughter someday. I've always had that dream. I've always had that dream for a long... Well, not always, but a long, long, long time. Especially in the last, like, seven years. And I came across this poem written by Captain Cyril Morton Thorne. And if there's anybody out there that has this love and passion to want children, or at least want more children, and in my case, a daughter, then this is for you. This is for us. All right? song here. Yes. Here we go. My daughter. What simple, beautiful words. My girl. What a wonderful phrase. We're counting the months till you come to us. The months and the weeks and the days. The new little strangers, some babes are called. But that's not what you're going to be. With double my virtues and half my faults, You can't be a stranger to me. Your mother is straight as a sapling plant, the cleanest and best of her clan. You're bone of her bone and flesh of her flesh. And by heaven, we'll make you a woman. Soon, I shall take you in two strong arms. You, that shall howl for joy. With a simple, passionate, wonderful pride. Because you are just... My girl. 
joy. And you shall lie in your mother's arms and croon at your mother's breast. And I shall thank God I am there to shield the two that I love the best. Wonderful thing is the breaking wave. And sweet is the scent of spring. But the silent voice of an unborn babe is God's most beautiful thing. We're listening now to that silent voice and waiting, your mother and I, waiting to welcome the fruit of our love. When you come to us, bye and bye. We're hungry to show you a wonderful world with wonderful things to be done. We're arching to give you the best of us both. And we're lonely for you, my daughter. If I pass before I see you, I want you to know how much I love you. If the good Lord takes me to his kingdom, I want you to know that I'll be praying for you. If I'm not there to see you off on your first date, I want you to know how beautiful you look. If I'm not there to hold you in my arms when you break, you were always my resting place, and I was your refuge. Pride and 
And if I am not there, Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes if you're new to this life, sometimes I do something called an improv and it's been a while since I actually did one and I hope you enjoyed that one. That one's an improv for, of course, a daughter that I don't have, but if she ever existed, that's probably what I would say. <laughs> gotta work on the girl first, right? I gotta work on the on the companion first, so... <laughs> We'll see what happens. Alright, so I got a request here from my follower and and I will and this is a poem that is about comforting the lonely and and love. So I'm gonna read one. It's titled Love and it is by Roy Croft. Alright? So this is titled Love by Roy Croft. And let me get it on the screen real quick so that I can actually see it better instead of looking at my book here. So just give me one second. ready those of you who are lonely those of you who are needing some love tonight this one's dedicated to you this one's titled love by roy croft 
All right, give me one second. Here we go. We're going to start the strike one more time. And five second countdown. Here we go. Five, four, three. I love you. Not only for what you are, but for what I am when I'm with you. And I love you not only for what you have made of yourself, but for what you are making of me. And I love you for the part of me that you bring out. And I love you for putting your hand into my heaped up heart and passing over all the foolish, weak things that you can't help dimly seeing there. And for drawing out into the light all the beautiful belongings that no one else had looked quite far enough to find. And I love you because you are helping me make of the lumber of my life not a tavern, but a temple out of the works of my every day. Not a reproach, but a song. And I love you because you have done more than any creed could have done to make me good and more than any fate could have done to make me happy and you have done it without a touch without a word without a sign you have done it by being yourself perhaps that is what being a friend means after all To all the good friends out there, to all those people that have spent some time with you, to all of the time, for all the people that you spend some time with, I want you to know how appreciated you are. Truly, truly, truly. And I know that sounds like a cookie cutter message here, but I want you to really understand how vital you are in terms of their life. You ever want to know how valuable you are? I want you to like think about what it would be like your friends at least, what your friends would be like if they didn't have you in their life. And please, don't ever think that no one cares for you. That's not true. That is not true. I know there's people that really love you and like really care for you or really miss you and really like just can't wait to like find out how your day went and just want to like spend some time with you. Even the most busiest person will have time for you. That is so true. <laughs> Don't ever believe that somebody like is too busy to do whatever, all right? Whatever their job is. When they care for you and they love you, they will make time. So one of the special people in my life is my brother actually. 
he has five kids and his youngest is like two years old and he works in the medical field and he's a super busy guy okay like like for real <laughs> like he's a super busy guy and this one day he just kind of like showed up at my house and this was like after weeks of not seeing him and I heard this knock on the door and I had no idea who it was I the la- and I felt so bad for thinking this but the last person I thought was going to be my brother and it was him right it was my brother that showed up and he just wanted to stop by and say hi you know and it was so unexpected and I was like I almost I almost was a little bit I don't know just I didn't expect it anyway he came in hung out just talked and my my big brother has always been a great 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 big brother he's also been a great friend and just a wonderful human being just a wonderful guy you know And I know I haven't been the best little brother, and I haven't been the most affectionate, loving brother. He knows that I love him, and that, well, deep down I do love him. And I never feel lonely because I know that I matter to him that much. I know there's a friend in your life. I know there's a family member in your life. I know there's a colleague, there's somebody in your life that thinks of you that way. It doesn't even have to be like a companion in the intimate way. It would be great, it would be nice, and that's probably like an objective for you. But you'll receive that love when you least expect it. And yes, you probably heard that thousands of times. But at least you can rest knowing that there's somebody that really thinks of you and really cares for you and that really loves you and that is appreciative of how you've changed them and like what you've taught them in the same way you've appreciated them and what you've learned from them. So... Don't be disheartened. Don't dwell in sadness. Don't dwell in loneliness. Don't believe in the lies that you don't mean anything to anyone. There is and has always been someone beyond this world, beyond this earth that has always loved you. Some of us have a hard time seeing it because, well, we've just been so just been so distraught by the pain and all of the sadness and the longevity of these dark seasons that we've gone through that that becomes sort of our reality and we think that this is how it's going to be for the rest of our life but 
This is not true. Alright. Alright, I'm going to read one more poem here. And then I'm going to call it a night. So give me one second here while I look for this. So, I think you guys recognize this one if you're not a fan of Andrew Lloyd Webber's Phantom of the Opera. I'm going to read Think of Me. And it's a great, great song, great lyrics. And yes, it's written like a poem, by the way. So, I got to find the right song for this one real quick. So, let me give me one second while I search for it. And then uh, we'll get started. Let me see something real quick. One second, y'all. Um, <laughs> let me see. I'm probably going to get copyrighted for this. Whatever. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Ooh. There we go. Let's see. I'm really hesitant to use the actual song itself from from Phantom of the Opera because I don't want to get copyrighted here. I mean, it would it would be obvious to like read the lyrics with the, with that music in the background, but I'm 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 definitely gonna get copyrighted here. So I'm trying to think of a, a song that's a royalty free here. One second. Give me one second. Mm-mm-mm. Maybe this one? Yeah! Alright. I think we got a winner here. Yeah, this is definitely Roll to Free Music right here. Alright, so this is Think of Me by Andrew Lloyd Webber.
once in a while. Please promise me you'll try. And when you find that once again, you long to take your heart back and be free. And if you ever find a moment, spare a thought for me. We never said our love was evergreen or as unchanging as the sea. But if you can still remember, stop and think of me. Think of all the things we've shared and seen. Don't think about the way things might have been. Think of me. And think of me waking silent and resigned. Imagine me trying too hard to put you from my mind. Recall those days and look back on all those times. Think of the things we'll never do. There will never be a day when I don't think about you. Can it be? Can it be, Christine? Bravo. Long ago, it seems so long ago, how young and innocent we were. She may not remember me, but I remember her. Flowers fade and the fruits of summer fade, and they have their season, so do we. But please, promise me that sometimes you will think of me. This is a perfect transition into this poem. This one's titled, If You Forget Me, by Pablo Neruda. You ready? Here we go. of the slow autumn at my window. If I touch near the fire the impalpable ash of the wrinkled body of the log, everything carries me to you. As if everything that exists, aromas, light, 
metals were little boats that sail towards those isles of yours that wait for me. Well, now, if little by little you stop loving me, I shall stop loving you little by little. And if suddenly you forget me, do not look for me. For I shall have already forgotten you. And if you think it long and mad, the wind of banners that passes through my life, and you decide to leave me at the shore of the heart where I have roots, remember that on that day, at that hour, I shall lift my arms and my roots will set off to seek another land. But if each day, each hour, you feel that you are destined for me with implacable sweetness, if each day a flower climbs up to your lips to seek me, ah, my love, ah, my own, in me all that fire is repeated. And in me nothing is extinguished or forgotten. My love feeds on your love, beloved. And as long as you live, it will be in your arms without leaving mine. Thank you, Kim. You know what? That's a nice transition into this next poem. It's called, If You're Ever Going to Love Me. Sorry, I gotta, gotta go to the next track here. This is written by... We don't know who wrote this, actually. It's an anonymous poet. But I have an inkling that this one is written by... I want to say it was written by Ella Wheeler Wilcox, but there's no proof of it. Anyway, if you're ever going to love me, if you're ever going to love me, love me now. While I can oh, know all the sweet and tender feelings which from real affection flow, Love me now while I'm living, and do not wait until I am gone. And then chisel it in marble, warm love words on ice-cold storms. If you've dear sweet thoughts about me, why not whisper them to me? Don't you know it would make me happy and as glad as glad could be? If you wait until... I'm sleeping, never to walk here again. There'll be walls of earth between us, and I couldn't hear you then. Would you be so slow to bring it? Would you step with laggard feet? There are tender hearts all around us who are thirsting for our love. 
Why withhold from them what nature makes them crave of above all? I won't need your caresses when the grass grows over my face. I won't crave your love or kisses in my last resting place. So. Then if you love me any. If it's but a little bit. Let me know it now while living. I can own and treasure it. Let me know now while living. I can own and treasure it. I started this live talking about men who need this affection. Because most of the time, we are just sort of like expected to do it all the time. And don't get me wrong, I think it's it's very important for a man to pursue women. But once he's expressed his love for you, once he's expressed his desire for you, okay, now you need to reciprocate it, ladies. You need to let them know, hey, I appreciate these things that you said about me and I want you to know that like, wow, thank you so much and this is what I think about you. Don't just say thank you. <laughs> really? Thank you? As much as like that's nice? It would be far better for you to express your true deep affections for the guy. Now if you don't feel that affection, okay? We're not gonna force it out of you. And in many ways, I don't expect it. But do us both a favor. If you don't have that same affection and love and just that deep down rooted like desire for them as much as he has for you, you should probably let them know. Don't make them linger. Don't toy with them. Don't play with them. Don't put them on your roster. <laughs> okay? And yes, you ladies know exactly what I mean by the roster. You all know. You all know you have one. Okay? <laughs> and yes, some guys have it too as well. But trust me, the good ones, we can't handle more than one. I'm telling you. It's just, it's way too chaotic, okay? There's a reason why men are designed to be focused on one thing at a time. We're, we really suck at, at multitasking, okay? We're terrible at it. Ladies, on the other hand, y'all are really good at multitasking. So, I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> so... If you have a tender thought, if you have sweet words, if you have really kind, loving, passionate words for your man of interest, don't withhold it. Don't let your pride get in the way. Don't play this little game. Just say it. Or don't say it. And if you don't have those feelings for them, let them know. I can't tell you how much 
That is so appreciated. That is so appreciated. And if you worry about a retaliation, then you probably saved yourself a lifetime of like pain. Okay? So it's a good thing. So just say it. Just let them know you're not interested. And good men will totally be fine with it. In fact, we will be really fine with it. But if you are, let them know also, right? Tell them how much you love them. Tell them how much how sweet they are to you. Tell them how much like you really long for those messages from them, right? Like, man, my days aren't the same when you don't like send me like a sweet thought, you know? Let them know. We don't read your minds. We can't read your minds, y'all. Okay? That's just not imp- it's not possible. And I mean that with great respect, by the way, okay? A woman's mind is like a great mystery, right? Which is why it's good for a man to like like be okay with that. And we are for the most part, right? But you can't really expect us to like read your minds. Like that's just not going to happen. It's impossible. You're asking way too much. Be very direct. Be very direct with men. You have to be very direct, guys. Okay? Like like straightforward. Like it's going to be like this and I like it like this and okay? Like yes, don't get me wrong. Spontaneity is a good thing. But once we actually like start understanding you better, right, then the spontaneousness will happen, right? Because now we know like the things that you like and you don't like, right? So some people don't like surprises, okay? There's people, there's some ladies out there that really don't like surprises. Like, like they get really shocked, right? And like really frozen up. So spontaneity is not for everybody. But I'll tell you what is for everybody, and that's that tenderness, that respect, and that kind, like kindness, that warmth, right? This is what like really, really like some ladies like. They love that warmth from a good man, right? That that man that is super tender, super like warm-hearted, super kind, super loving, super thoughtful, and you know doesn't have any like major dramas in his life, and is like really well kept. That has you know stable life, stable job, stable you know just upbringing things like that right like he's a peaceful man right peaceful men nowadays are a almost a rare thing but they do exist and if you find a peaceful man you know nurture him right let them know how you think why you feel you may be keeping them around because they're probably the only peaceful thing or person that you have in your life right now. But that's not really kind-hearted of you to like keep them lingering, right? If 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 they've expressed interest in you romantically, then it's a little cruel for you to sort of like you know, lure them with with, with whatever you're using to keep them around, but you don't really love them. And hopefully you don't destroy them, right? Or you don't like break their heart that they become something different after. But I would say that most good men really know their worth and they don't have that. They don't place their worth on you. That doesn't mean they don't love you, that they are not interested in you, that they don't want to like spend time with you. Of course they do. But most good men that are peaceful driven, right? That truly understand what it means to be peaceful and to be at peace they won't place their value on you so 
be direct with them if if you don't care about them and then they'll be fine trust me they will be fine <laughs> it's going to be just fine you see they're also loyal guys too right like they don't want to like move on until you say it's okay to move on right because They've been receiving some interesting messages from you. Sometimes it's a little mixed signals, right? That you that you like them. You maybe said that you love them, but you didn't really like show them, show them, right? And so they're trying to be loyal, trying to be like true to you. So don't withhold the good, kind-hearted word to, from them. Because they need it just as much as you do. Alright y'all. Thank you so much for being here. This has been a great live. This is episode 66. You heard me right. 66. We are more than halfway to episode 100. Which is a life goal of mine. And we're going to celebrate whenever we get to episode 100. But it won't be for you know another probably year or so. <laughs> I don't know, maybe not. Maybe till maybe in the summer it'll be it'll happen. But I'm so looking forward to 2023, y'all. I have so many things I want to do and it's going to be fun. And in fact, I have this plan that I might share with y'all later, but I might take my live, okay? I might take these lives and present you a different background probably in the next month or so. And I'm looking forward to it. We'll see what happens, but Looking forward to maybe broadcasting from a different place, from a different venue. And we'll see. We'll see what happens. Anyway, so thankful for you all. And thank you so much for being here. Once again, go to my Spotify account. If you don't subscribe to there, if you haven't followed, please follow. And let me know. Rate the show. I would love to hear your thoughts. Let me know what you guys are thinking about some of these episodes. And if you want to leave a comment, you can actually leave a voice message on my Spotify account. All those links, by the way, are underneath my profile picture in my main page on my Spotify account. So once again, to all my current subscribers, all my current supporters, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Hope you all had a wonderful Christmas and that you're going to have an even better New Year's. And I'm looking forward to 2023 and I hope that it goes well for you as well. But those of you who are maybe thinking about helping me out on Spotify, please do. I'm telling you, it's absolutely worth it and i've had some really really wonderful messages from really great followers and thank you to all of you all that left some really beautiful kind-hearted warm messages and you can even ask them if you like and let them know what you think about the show and so please rate the show follow it and if you can support it i would absolutely be so thrilled and enthusiastic once again go to spotify jay roland speaks picture Underneath the picture, all the links are there. All right? Super easy. All right, guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful... What is it? Tuesday? I don't know. Something like that. Have a wonderful day tomorrow. And whatever it is that you do, I hope that it goes well. And read some poems, guys. And don't don't forget, you are absolutely worth every bit of this. what this world is. Whatever it carries, right? All this beauty, all this knowledge. You know, spend some time just seeking it out and filling your days with some really good content and knowledge and truth and peace and hope. So 
seek that out guys and i hope that it goes well for you but in the meantime listen to my spotify account right go to my podcast all right guys have a wonderful night buenas noches a todos gracias por sus saludos gracias por sus comentarios gran abrazo para ustedes que tengan un feliz año nuevo y espero que disfrutaron de la navidad ayer así que muchas gracias por todo espero que lo pasen súper bien mañana y cuídense mucho un abrazo chao